All right. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people don't know you as Leanna Taylor, dietitian. They know you as Leanna Taylor, Ross Harris's ex-wife and the mom of Cooper Harris. Right. What does that feel like today? Being the mom of Cooper Harris is the best thing ever. Um, I, you know, he's, he's my son. Um, I'm thrilled to uh, have been his mom and I'll always be his mom. And that's not anything that can ever be taken from me. Um, the fact that I'm his mother, the other part obviously has a lot of um, not so good, good feelings about it. Their sweet's not the right word. I didn't, I didn't anticipate myself being the ex-wife of anybody in my life. And so to, to know that that's, you know, that's what I've um, talked about as it, it's not where I thought my life would go. Leanna, I want to pick up on where we left off with you at the trial in Glenn County. Mm-hmm. And we saw you on the stand giving a very impassioned defense of Ross at that time and telling the world that you were convinced that he did not do this on purpose. I'm curious to know, um, since Ross's conviction and sentencing, have you heard from him? Has he reached out to try to talk to you in any way? He has not reached out to me. Um, We are in the process of getting um, a marker placed on Cooper's grave. And so there were some um, there. I wanted him to be involved in that. And so there's been communication about that. Do you talk on the phone? Do you exchange letters? No, it's it's an email. How is that? Does it what does it feel like? Is it like a business relationship? What is what what are your feelings when you're communicating with Ross? Um, I really don't know how to categorize it. It's um, I guess you could definitely say that it that it is an air of. Um, taking care of, of business. There's a lot of, there's a very large lack of closure between, uh, because of, of the way that things happened. Um, we were never able to actually grieve our son together. I was, we were never able to talk about that day again. I was never able to express any, any kind of, of um, anger or disappointment or, you know, just we were never able to do that together. I mean, when you find out your spouse, I'm, I'm going to set the, the, um, the accident to, to one side for just a second. But just in general, when you find out that your spouse is cheating on you, like if that was just what happened to us, you get the opportunity to confront that person and to, to deal with that, this marriage that has fallen apart. And that we never got to do. And then you pick up what happened with with Cooper, and we were never able to deal with that either. So there's a, a large amount of um, conversations that we never were able to have. Do you still want to have those conversations? What do you want to ask Ross? What do you want to say to him? Um, I really don't. I don't. I want to ask him why. I would like to ask him why. Why did your life take the the direction that it did? Why did you take the path that you took in your life? Why did you do these things in our marriage? And what happened that day? I still don't know what happened that day. 
You know, I believe that it was an accident, but we have never been able to discuss what happened that day. Why did he forget? You know, does he even know why he forgot? Was there any, you know, these are conversations that you would, that you would get to have if he had been able to come home, but we never were able to have these conversations. To our conversation earlier, talking about the stories that we at the radio station have done, talking about the, say, the daycare worker who forgot to, to do the count when they got the kids off the van, or the mom who said, I had to go into this job interview and I didn't have anybody who could sit my child. So I just left the baby in the car for a while. I thought I would come right back. We get the whys from those people about why this happened, but you never got the chance to ask your why or his why. Right. Yeah. I, in either either situation, in, in either, you know, the betrayal aspect and the, 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 the thing that changed my life forever, which was the moment he forgot Cooper in the car. Leanna, you know as well as I do that so many people thought you were in on a plot that Ross had initiated. You've seen the comments on social media. You know how people have reacted, many of them, I'm sure, strangers, although I do want to know what your, how your friendships might have been affected by this. But people were sort of picking apart your demeanor. They were criticizing the way that you were comforting Ross instead of cussing him out at the police station. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, how did that make you feel? And do you, do you feel misunderstood? I feel very misunderstood. Um, thank you for asking me that. I, I do. I feel very misunderstood. Um, as far as my reaction that day, I don't even recognize myself in the audio or video of my interviews with police or the video of Ross and myself together. I don't even recognize myself. So I can understand why people would look at that and say, She's acting really strange. But I, I, I feel like I was in a form of denial. I could not put everything together in my head to fit because I guess when you experience that kind of trauma on that level, it takes a while for your, your brain to let you understand it all. And I've done some research on you know psychological trauma since then because after seeing being able to see what other people saw from me that day, I can, I can see why they would think that I'm acting strange. And so I started thinking, well, what is it that I experienced that day and why do I not even recognize myself? And so I did some research into, you know, psychological trauma and the way that people respond and everything that I found and everything that I read, the multiple sites and different places that I went to, they basically described how I was functioning that day from the outside appearance as well as the things that I was experiencing on the inside. I was experiencing a lot of things on the inside that were not being represented on the outside. And so I was able to see that in the research that, that I saw, and it, it, it kind of it started to make a little more sense to me. And so then I start to think, well, law enforcement they're they're around this you know more often than they want to want to be. They're around people who have lost loved ones. They're around people who react one way and people who react a different way. 
why did they not see that my reaction was one of denial or emotional shock? And and that aspect of it, I don't understand why they kind of attacked me from the beginning just based on my reaction alone. Two things I think I hear a lot when people are talking about your reactions. The question in the police station, did you say too much? The comments at Cooper's funeral, essentially saying, I don't want to misquote you, but this is a hard world and I wouldn't wish him back if I could. Something along those lines. Can you address those for me? I can. Um, I, I think I addressed the did you say too much, obviously, in, in trial, but I will address it again. My brain was functioning on a very um, minimal level, I guess you could say. I was very, I'm a very logical person, and I think that I reverted to that very, very logical frame of mind in when I was, when I was at the police station. And I, I knew how Ross was as a person. I knew how he spoke to people, and I knew how he talked a lot. And he said a, he would say a lot of of words when you when you really don't need to say that much, you know, it just exaggerative, just saying things that don't really need to be said. Not that there's anything wrong with with what he's saying, but adding more to a conversation when the conversation is over. And I'm not sure if I'm really explaining this in a very good way right now, but I knew that about him. And when he comes into the room. And he, he's basically the one who tells me that he's going to be charged. I couldn't reconcile that within myself. I couldn't understand because I was, first of all, I wasn't accepting that Cooper was gone. That, that wasn't something that I was even accepting at that point. And so then when he comes to me and says that I'm, I'm being charged, I couldn't understand why. And so all these things are going on my head, going on inside my head simultaneously. And the one thing that, you know, flips around in my head is, what did, what did you say that would make them charge you? Did you, did you say too much? And that's, that's what came out of my mouth. Did you say too much? Not meaning that he had anything to hide. I can see how that is interpreted that way, but that's not what I meant by it. But that's, I mean, that's the best explanation I have for that, having been in a situation where I had gone to the daycare, my son wasn't there, detective showed up, told me that he was dead, that it was Ross that left him in the car, and, you know, it, it just boom, 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 and then we're there in a police police station. I don't really know how to explain it any any better than that. I just, it's just something that I said, and at the time, really didn't think anything of it, because I, I knew what I meant by it. I wasn't in the mindset of I have something to hide, and so I, I was I was I was not operating in that way. If that makes any sense, to you, it never even crossed my mind. This is this is how out of it I was. It never even crossed my mind that we were being recorded. I mean, now that I look back on that situation, look back on that, I think well, of course I was being recorded. I was in a police station. I was in an interrogation room. But none of that was clicking in my head because I was so out of it. So, Leanna, let's talk about what 
you said at Cooper's funeral? At his funeral, I was trying to deal with the loss of my son. And when I spoke at his funeral, the words that I said, first of all, they weren't intended to be taken and critiqued and judged and looked at and, and you know, pawed over. And they were very much misunderstood. I'm not in the same state of mind as I was then, so it's hard to to even give an explanation for some of the things that I said. To be quite honest, I can't remember everything that I said. There's a lot of things that I don't don't remember. But my my faith is a very um, big part of my life, and it's one of the only reasons I'm still able to function. Is, is the peace and the uh, the peace that I get from from my faith in God, and I was trying to process a lot of things at once um, right there when the funeral happened, and I guess that I was tr- I was trying to find some peace of my own, and maybe some of the things that I said were things that I was trying to make sense of it all. Like why 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 would I why would I have to lose my son? Why would I have to lose my child? There's got to be a reason for, for something like this to happen. And I think that, that the things that I said at the funeral was the very, very beginning of me trying to find a way to come to terms with my reality, which was that my son was dead and that it was because of my husband. And I've, because I believe in God and I believe in heaven and I believe that children specifically are welcomed into, into heaven and that heaven is a better place than where, where I am right now. I mean, the sadness that I feel on a daily basis is something that I would never wish on my worst enemy. And I think maybe that is what came out in what I said at the funeral, that the, the world that we live in is so damaged, and it, it there's so much pain, and I feel that pain every day. And Cooper's not having to feel that. Cooper's not going to have to feel that pain. It wasn't that I didn't want him with me. I want him with me every single day, but I, I can't have him with me. But if I couldn't have him with me, then that's the only place that, that would be better for him. I don't know if that makes sense to some people, and it doesn't make sense to other people. And if it doesn't, then that's okay. But I never intended for people to take it as me not wanting my son with me. What's helped you get through this, Leanna? How have you gotten through this day by day? My faith, I've said that several times, is the main thing that has gotten me through. Um, Prayer for peace and understanding and comfort. To continue to live without my most precious, the most precious gift that I was ever given. And aside from that, I do have a very um, amazing support group in uh, family and friends and um, church, uh, church friends and support from from them that that really just swooped in and and carried me before I could start walking on my own really, truly walking on my own. Other people saw me, but I, I really 
was not functioning very well. That's why you see like this very, very just blank expression on my face in the probable cause hearing. I've had friends that have, have told me, I didn't even, I did not even recognize you. You didn't even look like yourself. And I, I didn't. But those are the two, the two things that have allowed me to continue. I have a very supportive um, job as well, very supportive coworkers who know that when I'm having a bad day, I'm having a bad day. And maybe she needs a little extra something to kind of help her get through that day. Do people recognize you? Do they come up to you and say things to you? And if, and if they do, how do you handle that? I think in the beginning, um, there were people that recognized me. But I, did, I, I really didn't, though, because I had noticed that maybe people looked at me a little differently in the beginning, I did not go out in public very much. There were a lot of things circulating in the media, a lot of finger pointing, and it, it honestly felt very, I felt very fearful. And so I didn't spend a, uh, go out a lot in the beginning. But what I have noticed, you know, over the last two and a half years that, that people maybe several people that I have come in contact with actually recognized me and knew who I was, but never said anything. They just treated me like they would treat anybody else. And that, that has meant a lot to me because I am a human being and I do have um, a heart and feelings and my heart's broken. (laughs) And so I, I haven't had anybody approach me in public and do anything that's been ugly or hateful. I am curious to know if you are angry. Yeah. <laughs> I struggle with a, a certain amount of anger um, daily with the, with the reality of um, ha- having to be someone who has experienced the loss of a child. And w- why did that have to fall on me? And I don't mean that in like a self-centered way, but the number of people who have have had to bury bury their children it's a it's a large number i can tell you what the statistics are but it it doesn't it's never happened to anybody that i know i'm the only one that i know that that this has happened to and there there's some anger in that and and i guess that anger is actually with god at times even though my faith is what's got me through i still feel like god's given me the freedom to ask him those questions, ask him why, why has this happened? Why did this happen to Cooper? Why does it have to happen to any child? I have struggled with anger um, towards law enforcement for the way that they, the way that they spun some of the things in the beginning with the media and the things that they said that just weren't true. You know, making statements that I had admitted to researching children dying in hot cars. I I never said that, and I never did that. Um, Making a statement that I never asked about Cooper, and I never asked to see Cooper, that was also false. Making a statement that they never saw, saw me show any emotion. However, I sat in the lobby with the detective. And I had just gotten off the phone with a friend of mine, 
that had called and wanted to pray with me, and I had started crying. I wasn't weeping, but I had started to cry. And he came out into the lobby and sat down with me because I wanted to ask him some questions. One of the questions was about Cooper. Where is Cooper? Would I be able to see him? And he, he saw me crying tears and then got on a stand and said that I wasn't emotional. So I have some anger in that area. And then I have anger withdrawal. You can't experience something like this and not have some level of anger. That doesn't mean that, that I think that he, that he did it on purpose, but you can't experience something like this without some, at some point feeling anger or resentment. And that's human nature. I don't know that you could quantify it, but what, forgive me if this sounds insensitive or clueless, I'll say, but what, what makes you the angriest? At Ross, I think that that I see the um, what happened with Cooper and what happened in our marriage as two separate issues, and I understand that not everybody sees it that way, and that's fine. Having to, but having to live without your child because of a mistake that your spouse made, even if it is a mistake, that trumps everything. I can't give it a, I can't give it a number, you know, I can't give it, but, but that, that trumps everything. Having to live with what I know happened to my son, that is the, 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 the biggest source of grief. It's, it's in a category of its own and it's, it's way more, I, I really don't even know how to, nothing, nothing is worse than that. So, so the amount of anger for the betrayal and the lying to me and the cheating on me, it, it could never, that, that, those things did not hurt me the way that having to bury my child hurt me. Can you forgive him? Can you forgive Ross? I think that that's something that's a work in progress. It's not something you can forgive somebody for causing you pain, but that's different than forgetting it. And so I really, I don't know where I am on that, on that um, line as far as, I really don't know how to answer that question. I'm sorry. It's impactful that you always have believed that he is innocent of murder. Right. That is um, something that there was plenty of, the only way I know to explain it is this way, and I've explained this, this to other people the same way. There was there was plenty of evidence, not plenty, but there was evidence in our marriage that he could be unfaithful to me. We were together for 10 years before he was arrested, and I had been with him a third of my life, so we knew each other, we knew each other pretty well. Obviously, there were some things that I did not know, but there was... There were certain things that happened in our marriage that opened a little window and showed me that there was a chance that he could be um, unfaithful to me one day, that um, he had some, some struggles and, and problems in his, in his heart and in his life that could lead him down that road of infidelity. But there was never any 
any evidence in our relationship that he would ever be violent towards another person. I have never seen him be violent towards anybody. I have never seen him be violent towards me. And I have especially never seen him be violent towards Hooper. And so when you when you look at it that way and you that that's that's the, that's why I see it the way that I do. Um and I don't know if that makes sense to people. There there just there was no evidence of him being somebody that would cause harm to anybody, much less his own son. And that's what I always came back to the more I found, you know, the the more, you know, things started opening up and the more um the information um about uh, his affairs became known to me, you know, that that's you have to go down that train of thought of, well, what if he did do it on purpose? I'm I'm the kind of person that's going to think about all aspects. And so I don't, I don't necessarily want people to think that I did not go down that train of thought. This experience has changed me into a person who is, is not naive. And, and I think that there's some, you know, thought processes of people that think that I wouldn't want to have to come to terms with the fact that Ross did this on purpose because that would be too difficult a thing to come to terms with. But when you lose your child, that's the most difficult thing that you could ever have to come to terms with, regardless of how it happens, whether it's an illness or an accident. That's the worst thing. So if if I had seen any kind of evidence that suggested that Ross was planning this, or that Ross did not like having a child and that he was bothered by having a child, I, I wouldn't have got on the stand and said what I said. But they never showed anything that suggested that he did not like having a child. He liked having his other life, his, his sexual life. But as far as I could tell, as much interaction as he was having, we weren't getting in the way of that because he was still very much there for us. And he was still, you know, involved in these extramarital affairs. What convinced you that he's innocent of murder? The fact that there was, there was never any aspect of him and Cooper's relationship that did not seem real. Um, there were problems in our relationship. We had problems in certain areas of our relationship, and those problems were directly caused by the things that he was doing behind my back. But there were no problems with him and Cooper's relationship. He was an engaged father. He did not push responsibilities off on me and disappear. He was there for dinner almost every single night, bath time almost every single night, bedtime almost every single night. And that's not always the case with fathers. That was the case with him. And they're, they're just, in my personal experience, having lived in the home with him and seen and saw how he interacted with Cooper, there is no way that he did it on purpose. Leanna, is having more children something that you think about, dream about, desire? I always wanted to be a mother. And um, Cooper made me that. I never, obviously, I never imagined that uh, that I would lose him. And I, I always imagined him with a brother or sister. 
Um, I was an only child, and I I always wanted a brother or sister. So I knew that I didn't just want to have one child. Um, I knew that, that we would eventually have more children. That is a hard topic to discuss, and that is something that, that people want to ask me, do you want to have more children? And the answer is yes, but it's not something that I um, consider lightly. It's not, it's not something that is going to be easy for me um, because when you, when you have had a child and lost that child, that's every parent's worst fear is something happening to their child. I would be willing to bet that that's every parent's worst fear. And I've lived that fear, and I don't want to, I don't want to live that fear again. So when you talk about having um, another child, it's a scary thought because I'm, I'm going to want to do any, everything to protect my child. And, and I protected Cooper, but I couldn't protect him that day. And when, when something like this happens to you, you realize you're not, you're not in control of everything. You're not always in control of what, what happens to the people that you love. And that's a very scary thing. It's easy to kind of deny that when you've never experienced something like this. But when you have, you can't deny that anymore. You can't, you know, overlook that fear and and the fear of losing somebody that you love because you've experienced it. So I know that you are working on getting a headstone for Cooper's grave. Is that in Alabama? It is. How often do you visit? In the beginning, I visited a lot. Um, it was, uh, it felt like a safe place um, where I could go and, and be with Cooper. But that kind of changed um, because I went out there one day and um, there was a, a card left on his grave by somebody. And people would leave things on his grave when they found out where he was, which is part of the reason why I didn't put a marker down to begin with is, is this that I'm fixing to tell you about. But somebody didn't just go out there and leave, you know, a toy for him or an angel or some flowers or a teddy bear. They left a card that basically said, I'm sorry you weren't loved in this life. If you were my son, I would have loved you. And it was very, very hurtful because Cooper was a very loved little boy. And because of all the information that, that, um, was false that was getting out into the media. People had this idea and still, honestly, have this idea that he was not loved by me or Ross, and that's completely false, and that he wasn't taken care of and that he wasn't cherished. And going out to to where I had laid my son to rest and finding that card, it stopped being a safe place because now every time I go out there, I wonder, what am I going to find? What's going to be out there? So I have had some struggles in the last year and a half to two years with going out there to be with him. You talked about living every parent's worst nightmare. I want to ask you to tell me what's your advice to parents or married couples with kids? I think that this the knee-jerk reaction to this is, how could this happen? How could a parent forget their child? 
I have, the, you know, other people saying, well, well, I had four kids and I never, I never forgot one of them. If it, if it's never happened to you, then it is difficult to understand. It's difficult to, to think that it, that it could happen to you if, if you don't know how it happened. So I think the, the biggest thing that, that people can do is to not necessarily, they need to, to consider it as a possibility, just like any other safety precaution that you would take with your child. I mean, putting fences around pools, putting um, walls around trampolines to keep them from falling off, you know, the, um, the stuff that you put in the plugs, you know, so they don't stick their, their, their fingers in. Every other safety precaution that you take on behalf of your child to protect them, this should just be one more thing. Even though you don't anticipate it happening to you, you still need to take the necessary steps to keep it from happening. Because the problem is, once it happens, it's too late. It just happened two weeks ago, again. And it keeps happening. And people keep, keep saying the same thing. How could you forget your child? How could you forget your child? And the issue is not that they forgot they had a child. Anybody that this happens to, they never forget that they had a child. That's not what happens. They think that they have taken the child to where they are supposed to go. And because it's something that you do so often, your brain replaces it with a false memory. And you legitimately have a memory of taking your child to daycare or taking your child to where they're supposed to go. And so the parent is at work or wherever it is that they're supposed to be going, you know, thinking about their child during the day. They don't go all day without thinking about their child. They're thinking about their child during the day. They're thinking that they're at daycare. They're thinking that they're safe. And then, you know, the end of the day comes and, and it's too late. So just accepting that it's a possibility is the first step. You have to accept that something can happen to you before you can ever take any precaution in preventing it from happening. And then once you make, once you accept that within yourself that this could happen, then you have to do your research. And so the statement made about me that I had done research related to children dying in hot cars, I actually never did that, but I wish that I had. And if I had done that, there is a chance that I'd be taking my kindergartner to school next year. There is a chance that I would get to see him graduate high school. There is a chance that I would have danced with him at his wedding, accept it as a possibility, and research it. And there are several different things that you can do. There's so much information out there about ways to prevent it, but you actually have to take the steps to prevent it. What do people not ask you that you wish that they would? I mean, I know you've, at this point, you've done a handful of media interviews. You've talked to my colleagues at AJC and at ABC and Channel 2 and now me. What do you wish that somebody would ask you that we never do? I, I don't know if it's, um, it's, a, it's a question more than a, than a, than a statement that, that I would need to make. I think that when people start asking their questions, um, a lot of times Cooper gets lost 
and the question asking, I think that um, I even felt like he was lost in the trial. I felt like he was overpowered by the sexual allegations. I'm always going to remember my son. And I like to know that other people are going to remember him too. And that is something that, um, I, even though it makes me sad and it makes me cry, that I do um, like to answer questions about him and um, talk about him and his life and um, the impact that he had on my life because he had a huge impact on my life. People will move on from this case. Um, people will move on with their lives. And eventually they'll, you know, we'll just be a distant memory. Um, do you remember that case, you know, or blah, blah, blah. But I'll never move on. I'll never. It will always be um, in the front and center of my life. Um, Cooper will always be uh, front and center for me. It'll, it'll, he will never disappear from my life ever.